the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, at least we have sun today, huh? <laughs> Let's start off thinking positively. Success is no accident. It is hard work, perseverance, learning, studying, sacrifice, and most of all, love of what you're doing. And that was Pele, who may have been the greatest soccer player of all time. And then just because things have been kind of gloomy lately, look for something positive in each day. Even if some days, you have to look a lot harder. And then from Peter Abelard, who was the great Christian uh, philosopher from the, I think, 1100 period, uh, Historia of Cataclysma, uh, I think I got that, something like that, pretty close. I've read it, but he said, a wise man by listening will become wiser. There we go. And uh, look, if you um, have any questions on this uh, show or, or would like to pose a question to the show, you can always go to WHK's webpage and you go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, zing, right to my office, I mean, to my uh, webpage, my office, same thing. Uh, and what it does is allows you to ask questions. You can call, uh, I won't answer the phone during the show, obviously, but you can call, leave a message, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you like any of the material we talk about, just let us know. You know, we have our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list. And folks, as bad as the market is, those are holding up extremely well, uh, especially the dividend growth portfolio. Uh, and I wouldn't recommend those I've been <laughs> for about 14 years now. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. All right. So, uh, uh, by the way, this is a live show. So if you've got a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And, uh, I guess, you know, people are, everybody's looking for a bottom. And, uh, look, I think there's a couple reasons, uh, why we're not going to be there. And I'm going to get to those in a second. But, uh, you know, the two, 2022 trade in the S&P still resembles the post financial crisis a little bit. You know, uh, there's some, there's some ugly things going on. And I, I think the Fed squatting the flies and aren't there because what they're trying to do is slow down the economy. And the reason it's, picking up is because people didn't work for two years and they threw money to us. You know, Congress threw money out. And so people were buying things that, uh, you know, they didn't really need to buy. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, uh, you know, so will interest rates help that? Well, it'll slow down the economy a little bit, but I think they're, they're walking on dangerous you know, ice, if you, if you will. But, uh, you know, one of the things everybody's talking about is the bearishness, but unfortunately, the institutional bearishness is not where we want it to be. Uh, now, 
the other thing I would suggest is that there's, uh, you know, some problems within uh, <laughs> the the markets that uh, we have to talk about, and that is, uh, you know, we have to – hold on one second. My computer's doing weird things. Uh, you know, the VIX and the equity put-to-call ratio have moved up, but they're not at extreme levels yet. You know, the thing with the the VIX, though, it's been – it's averaged 28. Now, the average over the last 75 years is 12. So this is a very high rate, uh, and the VIX is the, is the volatility index. It's the fear index, okay? And it's been literally uh, averaging 28 point five to be exact five five to be exact over the last six months. So it's been a tough six months. Now the put to call ratio is, is not up near one or one and a quarter. Uh and what that is is the number of puts people buying when you buy a put, you want you know, you're anticipating a downward move in the market. So it's still at only like point six five, seven point seven I guess it was Friday, uh point six nine. So uh you know there you go. The the AAII, which is American Association of Individual Investors, net bullishness uh, is is a very good contrary indicator, and it's one it's it's the lowest I've seen since Saddam Hussein rolled into town. Okay, so it's even lower than it was, uh, you know, back in 2009. I said I think we're at a generational low on this show, and you know I I just read a lot. It's not me being a guru or anything like that. Far from it. But the bullish the the bullish percent was at five. It got to three back in 2020, by the way. And then on top of that, what we had was a scenario where the AAII poll was at 12. Well, it's at nine. All right. So uh, it's it's a very low number at this point. So it's, uh, you know, it's a problem. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, you got to be watching a little bit more carefully. Now, the biggest problem, I think, is the bullish percent does not seem to want to get below uh, 30. Now, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that uh, what we look for is, uh, you know, the bullish percent to uh, get below 30 and uh, then reverse back up. And when it does, that's usually a, a fantastic sign and it's a good time to buy. Uh, you know, but w- what we have here is a situation where uh you know it's it's being stubborn okay so uh it's it's staying above uh the uh, the 30 mark and maybe you know staying there for a pretty long time so it's one of those things where we have to uh watch that a little bit more closely uh and you know continue to 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 watch things and just say hey you know where are we going now one of the things i do like um uh, is that I was looking at, you know, our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with some stuff. And, you know, the bullish percent, you know, remember I talked about uh, the the bullish percent being above or the the charts of the, uh, we always talk about the option report, which uh, our good friend, Jimmy Yates, who passed away a couple years ago, talked about and everything was in zone five and six 
And that's when it's very, very overbought. So what he would suggest is in those areas, you sell calls against the position. And then when you get into one or two, you get you pay attention. So now we have almost two-thirds of the stock in, in sections of, you know, uh, one and two, which is positive. The other thing is, you know, the, our friends at Dorsey Wright in Virginia uh, have 40 groups that they follow. And, the, and they were all, I mean, we were basically – Everything was above 45, okay? Uh, now, now we're back where we have the majority of the groups, by the way, unfavored, below 30. That's a big positive. But we do have a caller, Greg. Greg, how are you? Good. How are you? Good afternoon. I appreciate uh, uh, your radio show. Oh, good. Um my question is, I'm a retired federal employee now for about three and a half years, and um, I'm typically not a, a nervous investor. Uh, however, I have the majority of my money in the C fund, um, you know, which mirrors the S&P. Um, and I'm, I, I've had my finger on the trigger, so to speak, ready to jump into the, the G fund, but I, I haven't done it yet. I'm just well, the reason I'm nervous is because some of the economists are saying that the recession uh, is going to be lingering into next year. So uh, I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm kind of on the edge, ready to jump, but I don't know if I should or what. Well, it, it's a tough call right now, and uh, look, one of the problems that uh, most people have, and you know, uh, look, I, I go back to last year. And last year on this show, we talked about the bullish percent being above 80 the whole time. I mean, we, we, never, we never bounced back from that, okay? So, you know, it, it's a problem in that uh, most people uh, were very happy with their portfolios back then. And like I said, when we oh, yeah. get over 70, you know, that's when you want to be bearish, okay? Uh, now, it's kind of difficult. You know, look, and I'm going to say something political here, and uh, I don't mean that way, but the day uh, our good friend Mr. Biden said I do, um, <laughs> you know, the, mar- the market started to top. And I don't know what, what the problem was, but uh, he, you know, he said something or whatever. I don't know if it was the taxation thing he talked about or whatever, but uh, or maybe the Fed talking about raising rates, et cetera. But when that occurred, the market started to top. So what they did was yeah. they took a different stock out behind the barn and shot it every week, <laughs> every day, basically. Yeah. And and now we're getting near, Greg, we're, we're at 36 on the bullish percent. So when we get under 30, that's when you want to be bullish. I just don't think we're, we're there yet. You know what I mean? So that's the hard part. And uh, the last part of the move down is usually the most gut-wrenching. Right. All right. Yeah, so, I just don't know how much more I can my gut can stomach. So I don't, I don't know. Well, look, I'll just tell you this: when we get to below thirty, it'll be one of the great buying opportunities of all time, because usually when you hit peak inflation, uh, you have a, a major move up afterwards. And the other thing is, I, I would suggest, is the high-low index, which is another thing that the boys at Dorsey Wright follow. Uh, we're at eight right now. It got the two in 2020, it got two in 2018, you know, in, in December. And we had 17.81% gains after that. 
So maybe this is different. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, when everything's negative, you got to start to look for rays of hope. You know what I mean, Greg? Yeah. Uh, and you're stuck. The best investments you'll ever make is when your stomach's turning. <laughs> now, I'm not suggesting go out. I'm not suggesting go out and put all your money into the market right now. Okay, I've got cash and I've got a lot of it uh, in most cases, and uh, I actually sold a stock on Thursday, I think it was. Uh, so, and the Nasdaq looks like it made a head and shoulders top. Now that can that can reverse up. It can be what's known as an undercut. We don't know, but uh, there's a lot of reasons to be negative. Okay, uh, but just, you know, don't get too negative because when we hit the bottom, you'll be 100% out. That's not good. Okay, having a little cash right now is probably not a bad idea, though. All right? Right, right. All right, well, then I guess maybe I'll just move a little and keep the majority of it still in that C fund, so. Yeah, and look, uh, remember what I talked about back in 2019 was I thought, you know, it was value versus growth. And growth had been going up for eight straight years, and value was down and out. And then, the, you know, of course, we had the pandemic, so the Fed made me look like an idiot by lowering interest rates again. Uh, but that value trade is holding up pretty well. And I'm telling you, I don't think oil's going away. I think oil's going to be a problem through the entire Biden administration because he's not giving, you know, he's, he's saying, hey, you can't drill. All right? Yeah, so true that. Those are right, scenarios. right. Yeah, so value is a place to go. And by the way, all these ESG funds have no oil. Zippo. Mm. Interesting interesting phenomena. All right, so think about that for a while. Right. Anyway, okay. thanks for the call. All right, thank you. All right. Anyway, you know, Tom Porcelli, uh, our, our chief economist, the day before the, uh, the, the uh, GDP numbers came out, was suspicious that he said there could be negative growth, and there is. So... What we have is one of the first times that I can remember, we have the Fed raising interest rates a half a percentage point when we've had negative growth. So like I said, I think they're, they're trying to, you know, this is a different type of inflation, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But I also listened to a conference call uh, from Fundstrat, and they had a, it was interesting. They were talking about bank stocks, and they think that, the average bank stock has like 109% appreciation potential to the year end of 2023. So that'll be an area. But look, I think, you know, rising yields have been one of the main stories since the beginning of the year. If you think your stock portfolio has been hit, your bond portfolio has been knocked for a loop. All right. Uh, and that's, I've been negative about bonds for a pretty long time. And the reason I have, you know, I've been talking about this ladder portfolio so that you have money coming due each each two years, so you don't get bonked, okay? But if you had money and you were fully invested in bonds in January, you're down about 14% on quality bonds. On the high-yield bonds, you're down like 20 So I think, you know, rising yields have been one of the main stories here. So for multiple years, the fixed uh, income landscape has been a battle of preserving a return in a constantly lower rate environment, all right? One of the core tenets of our fixed income portfolios within our our portfolios has been to, you know, ladder the portfolio. Now, as rates bottomed during the pandemic, we opted for a slightly different approach, and we talked about high dividend yield, all right, because stocks are a inflation hedge. Now, what we were talking about 
was the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. So, you know, I think that's an area where you really got to look and, and be, you know, thinking about at this point. Uh, I think there's still room. I mean, I got five or six stocks that, you know, looked good. And, and I, but one got whacked Friday or Thursday, and I don't think they read the fine print. <laughs> so I bought some, and uh, I didn't buy enough of it, unfortunately. I didn't. I, I, I had too many incoming calls to make outgoing calls, so it's just something to think about. Now, look, uh, one of the things I was listening to Tom Lee this week, and you know we get to listen to him, and uh, you know if you look at the Fed rate decisions, we've had multiple rate decisions since uh, 2022, and we've had rallies after them. Okay, uh, so that's kind of interesting, and you know so. <laughs> I think the, Fed, the Fed's got to remember that with great power comes great responsibility, too. So we're going to, we're going to leave it at that. But, um, look, one of the things that could screw things up again is the coronavirus is coming back in New York. So we've got to watch that, uh, you know, and, and pay closer attention. Remember, it's a live show, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Just tuned in. This is the uh, Smart Investor Show, and uh, I'm Tim Hayes. And you know, I, I, I talked about a different type of inflation in our environment. And uh, you know, look, the surge in inflation over the past several months was not a complete surprise to anybody. I don't think. Last year, we had a forecast of a big run-up in the first half of 2022, and that that said, the levels have reached above the five to seven peak we, you know, we thought was going to happen. Okay. Uh, because I think the war in, in Ukraine, you know, compounds the problem a little bit. And uh, so how overheated is the economy? Well, it was it was a negative GDP growth last quarter. So uh, I think the problem is nobody worked for two years. Okay, so, you know, and they gave away money. So people had money to spend, which is going away, too. So the question is, are we near peak inflation? And I, you know. Our people think that if it isn't now, it's you know maybe a couple of months from now. What's important in the stock market and the bond market is that the rallies, when inflation is peaked in both of them, have been significant. Okay, dating back to the 1940s, when we've had inflationary periods that peaked, the average return is like 26% in the stock market. Okay. So that's a big positive. And, you know, we also had the thing about, you know, when we've had the, the high-low index down where it is now, if it gets to 2%, we've had an 18% return. Remember, the market has been had, had bad quarters, had bad half years. But it's very few times the market has ended negative. Let me say that again. We've had bad quarters. I mean, I remember 1987. I, you know, my my wife told me she was pregnant with my first with my daughter. Okay, Friday, Monday, we went down 504 points. I I I didn't do too well on the train ride home in Chicago uh, after that, but the point is, we made it up in all. 
Okay, so there's very few years where we're down for the whole year. Remember that. So don't get too negative. I realize it's tough right now because uh, people are, you know, I I spent all week talking people off the cliffs, okay? <laughs> and, you know, I had to, sometimes I had to look myself in the mirror and talk myself off a cliff. So, you know, emotions are important. Uh, emotional investing is bad for you, though. Uh, somebody called me a cold calculating, and I'll leave the rest up to your imagination the other day, and I said thank you, okay, because that's what I have to be, all right? I have to be a cold calculating blankety-blankety-blank because that's the way it is. So this inflation, if it does peak, uh, you know, we could have some things going for it. Now, I don't think oil's going to peak, and I also think that the oil drillers, are something that people have to pay very close attention to because we haven't drilled for a while. Now, look, the rising rate environment has already risen. You know, the two-year treasury was at 23 basis points. That's less than a quarter of a point. And now is at 2.4, all right? 2.48 to be exact. The transmission of monetary policy, mortgage rates have already climbed. They were 5.78% on Friday. They were two and three quarters just six weeks ago, okay? So this is the highest level since 2008. So it's, it's, auto loans have jumped by 1% so far this year, and they were pretty high anyway. Where's the Fed going? That's my question. The market now expects the Fed, the Fed will raise rates well beyond the peak of 2.5 achieved in 2018. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. So look, uh, there are some things I don't like. Number one, you know, we always talk on this show about the four-month and the 13-month moving average. When the four-month is above the 13-month, we're usually in a bull market, all right? And I'm talking about a short-term bull market. Right now, it's, it's gone the other direction, okay? The four-month is tipped over the 13-month. Usually, that's a negative, okay? Now, there have been some times when it's really gone below. 2000 uh, was the first time, and then 2000. Yeah, well, it was 2008. Remember, that's when I came on the show and I said that cash would outperform the stock market. And that's when the, 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 four, the four months crashed down over the 13 months and stayed there, by the way. And that, that was when the, we hit bottom was uh, the AAII poll, where we were at like seven. Uh, the bullish percent was at five. And the, you know, usually statistically, you always regress back to the mean. And we were in the first standard deviation for the four-month moving average. So that's a negative. Uh, sometimes it just lasts a little bit. Sometimes it lasts a little bit longer. Just make sure we're paying attention and I can't sleep. Now, the problem is we've got this head and shoulders formation that everybody's talking about. And in the NASDAQ, it broke down. Okay? And and the S&P, it's right there. I mean, it's holding on. Uh, you know, and, and it's... The question is what happens Monday, all right, or Tuesday, I think. Uh, and, and that's something you have to pay attention to. But the AA, American Association of Individual Investors, bullish percent, collapsed. Uh, and it ha we have not seen this level since the bottom in 1990, which was a pretty, you know, that was a 23% bear market. And by the way, it was in a bear market within a bull market. It took off after that. The bearish sentiment is, again, at very high levels. And so we're at that point. Now, we'd like to see the institutional stuff, like we said earlier, get there. We'd like to see the put-to-call ratio up, and we'd love to see the bullish percentage get below 30. But I think the silver lining is 
you know, many of us are, are focused on the key levels of the S&P 500, which is dominated by large cap NASDAQ growth stocks. Not all stocks are following the pattern of the S&P 500. All right. Uh, if you look, what is noteworthy is that the, the New York Stock Exchange 52-week new lows peaked in January and has been contracting. Okay, it's been contracting. So the number of new lows is going down. That's a positive. Well, this type of divergence can often develop, and it's usually a couple months before the advance of a final market low. It's another silver lining. So we have two silver linings, and that's that's the American Association of Individual Investors. If you look at the bullish bearish ratio, it's minus 45. In these last two decades, I've only seen it higher twice. I was at the bottom in 2002, and then it got to 54 in the financial crisis. And quite frankly, uh, that that was one of the other reasons I, I talked about the you know the uh, the market being at a generational low. That I think it was the first week of March I talked about it. I was about four days early. Uh, you know, it, it's just me reading a lot. Okay, so look, uh, we look at the long view here, and the ten-year yield has pushed higher towards a, a, key, a key technical level. And if I think of it, breaks over three point two five. It breaks that 40-year downtrend, and that's a big problem. U.S. dollars on a on a move because interest rates are up, right? When interest rates go up, your currency goes up. As a matter of fact, that's how George Soros used to short currencies. Is they they raise their 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 rates up, and when they raised them up too high, he would short and short and short and all the way down, because when you raise them too high, you also slow your economy. Okay, there you go. So, uh, you know, copper is correcting. Uh, the commodity index is correcting. They've been negative for a while, though. But I think you've got to remember, we're in that 16 to 18-year secular bull market. Now, that doesn't mean they can't have a bear market. Remember, 1987 happened in a bear market. 2000 happened in a bear I mean, I mean uh, 1990 when Saddam Hussein rolled in. And then 1998, we had the Russian ruble crisis. Uh, so, we, you can have a bear market within a bull market, all right? Uh, now, I still say that, you know, most of the bull markets, there's been a 2,300% return in the S&P 500. If we just got to 2,000, it'd be 1,350 to uh, 13,500, I'm sorry, to 14,000 on the S&P 500. That's a long way from here, okay? So just going to remember that we've got some negative things. We've been talking about the S&P 500 at the top of its trend line now for three months. Uh, the NASDAQ was a little hyperextended. That's not good. Uh, and the momentum has peaked, and it continues. Uh, it's just crossing zero, okay? So, we've, you know, it's going to be tough for a while, all right? Uh, but if you look at stocks versus bonds, stocks are still a place to be. But I think you've got to take a different approach. You've got to have a value approach. You know, last year we talked about oil stocks. Nobody wanted to listen. <laughs> They're the top performing group. I still think there's legs on the oil group. I just think you've got to wait for them a little bit. So the weekly S&P 500, the one problem is you have a lower high. That's not good, folks. It's not good. And, uh, you know, lower highs, that means supply comes in a lower level. So, Greg, if you're listening, that's why you want to have a little cash. Now, the NASDAQ composite, uh, the uptrend is intact, but there's a lot of divergences, and I, I don't like it at all. Uh, you know, I don't like the chart that much. The the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, the EAFE, made a little double top, 
The other thing I would say is the relative performance looks terrible. And same with the EEM, which is, you know, I'm just looking at general ETFs. Relative performance looks terrible on these things, okay? So that's something to pay attention to. You know what's interesting? If you look at the S&P versus the, the Toronto Exchange, the Toronto Exchange is still, you would think with all the oil and gas it has, it's still not going up. And growth versus value, large cap growth has broken down and made a double top, and now has broken the uptrend line against value. So once again, value is the place to be. Now the 10-year yield broke above the downtrend line that dates back 40 years. And three and a quarter is would be a high, uh, at, at three, that would be 3.27 would be a higher low, I mean a higher high, for the first time in 40 years. So they're going to get uh, things back to normal. I just remember, remember the case uh, shipping index usually peaks before inflation by about six months. It is now negative, okay? So people aren't shipping. So if that occurs, uh, you know, we're just about to see the peak. And the U.S. dollar has broken the downtrend line dating back to 1984. So that's a pretty long time, too. You know, it's been in a downtrend, and uh, a move above 103 would confirm the, the dollar's new uptrend and resistance. So some things to think about. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on that uh, uh, people are are not paying a whole lot of attention to. Now, you know, copper's had a little bit of a pullback on a monthly basis, but it still looks good long term. And the commodity index kind of, you know, it broke out of a downtrend from back from 2009, and now it's kind of pausing, but the relative performance is broken out against the S&P 500. And remember what our friends at Dorsey Wright said, the number one asset class right now is commodities. Number two asset class are domestic equities, okay? But I think you have to change your viewpoint. You know, technology is no longer the place to be, and I think you have to start to look at value. And, and I I've got some ideas that I, I looked at this morning. Uh, if you're a client, you'll probably hear about them next week. Now, gold's pulled back, but it's still in this huge cup and handle formation. Uh, so it has to break out. I think it's above uh, 2076, uh, and that would be good. Gold relative co- copper is still in a downtrend, so that's something you know you have to worry about. But you know, I, I think over the course of the next, you know, uh, probably, you know three or four months, you're going to see a change in the leadership. Remember, it don't go back to the old leadership, all right? Uh, it usually doesn't work, especially in this type of correction. What we're doing here is is we're changing the leadership strategy. So I think we've gone from growth to value. Now, I, I talked about that two years ago when I looked kind of dumb. The Federal Reserve kind of screwed me up by lowering interest rates back down. But I think what you have to do is look at the value group. Hey, let's take a break. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. Once again, if you've got a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Alice Cooper to start the day. Huh? Anyway, uh, look, uh, I, I just got a uh, an email in. I, I actually got three emails during the uh, time out there. 
And uh, one gentleman asked how much cash he has, and I'll address that via email. The other one uh, was was talking about, you know, why not technology? And look, I'm just telling you, the NASDAQ composite, it hyperextended. That is usually not a good sign. So I've got some. I'm down on a little bit, and I'm probably going to, you know, sometimes you have to take losses, but I don't think, Technology is going to lead the way for a while. I think you have to look at the stocks that are basing for a long time. What are those? Everybody hates oil. Remember, last year I was talking about oil only being 2.5% of the S&P 500, down from 25 in 2008, 2009. It was 2013, actually. Uh, so you've got those. You've got health care. Everybody hates health care. I mean, those things have been basing for seven years now, all right? Chemical companies. Now, some of them they like because they, have, they make lithium, okay? But the rest of the chemical companies nobody likes. And now you're seeing stocks that have, you know, I mean, I know of fertilizer stocks that were 400 that got killed that have just finally broken out, all right? And there might be time to be buying some more of it, all right? So those are the type of things. The things that have been basing are where you want to put your money. The longer the base, the farther the race. Okay, so I hope I hope I answer that question. So uh, I keep I have people calling me about uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, Ethernet and uh, you know Bitcoin and all that stuff, and I, I don't I, I you know I charted it for a couple of my clients. I'm not a, a big fan of it. I I really can't participate because our bank says no, and that's okay with me. Uh, I'm not sure what it's worth. It's worth what it's worth. Okay, uh, you know, I know a dollar's worth a dollar. <laughs> now, if inflation goes up, a dollar's worth a little bit less, right? Uh, so, you know, it, it's hard to tell you what what a bitcoin's worth. And you know, I can just tell you the charts look terrible right at the moment. But then again, most charts look like uh, most indexes look bad. So, so the New York Stock Exchange uh, bullish percent is one of our main risk guides. And uh, what we look at, this is designed by a protege of Charles Dow. And we talk about this every week because it's important. And it goes from zero to 100. And we get over 70. That's usually the red hot zone. Okay, that's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. They're patting each other on the back. You know, uh, I get announced at parties as their financial advisor. <laughs> and uh, then we get below 30. Uh, you know, I don't even get invited to uh, Thanksgiving dinner at my family's place, uh, you know, and everybody, nobody opens their 401k package, you, that type of thing. So the point is, whenever the earnings else bullish, is bullish, you should be nervous. When everybody else is nervous, you should be bullish. That's why I told Greg earlier in the show, Greg, when your stomach's churning, is the best time to invest. Now, this has a couple other things. It's a point-and-figure chart. So a column of Xs, you usually have the offensive team on the field. Column of Os, you have the defensive team on the field. We we're in a column of Os right now. We're at 36%. All right, we're down four for the week. Uh, we're not at 30. We're not below 30. Now, the over-the-counter index is at 25. So these have been stubborn. And the reason is, is there's some stocks that have been holding up. I own some of these stocks, all right? And I'm not going to tell you what they are, but they're – there's some stocks that have been holding up extremely well. They, it, I think when they give it up, we'll be well below 30, 
All right. Remember, back in 2020, we got the five. I think we even got the four for a day. All right. So uh, it's not as bad as you think. Is it going to go there? I don't know yet. So we'll we'll find out. But the over-the-counter index is in the column of those twos, but it's at 25.8. So the small caps, uh, you know, are an area where that might be the first group to turn up. Who knows? Remember, we you know we have this this these groups and we put, do them by groups, and we go from zero to 100, and all the groups were over 45 back in October. 70%, 80% of the stocks, uh, the groups, are below 38. Uh, I mean, protection services, semiconductors, and biotechs are below 10. You know, you've got, and, and none of them are favored sectors, so don't be, you know, jumping on board. Uh, we do have a few names that are are favored below 30, and, and I think that's, you know, the drug and the steel group, and chemicals are right at 30, so there are some things that are, are positive right now, believe it or not. So there we go. Um, you know, if, if I look at the uh, all of the uh, ETF performances, uh, none of them have a positive score. The S&P 500 index is down 12.5%. The value index is only down 4 Isn't that interesting? The mid-cap value is only down 6 and the small-cap value is down 6 Now, the growth ETF is down 18 so obviously, you know, growth is not where you want to go. Mid-cap value is still the top class. Small-cap value, then mid-cap blend, and then, you know, uh, uh, it, it's funny because large-cap value is still in dead last place in dynamic asset-level investing. That's relative strength investing. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, technology was number one in that field. Now it's number seven. Okay? So it'll be interesting to see where the money goes uh, after this is all said and done. Uh, but if you look, I looked at a couple of the growth indicators, and if I looked at the value versus growth, like the, the iShares S&P 500 value versus the Vanguard growth, let's say, the relative strength moved up in value. And if I looked at the, the value versus the Russell 2000, which is mostly growth, cost of X is again. So that's something to be thinking about, all right? Dynamic asset level investing is relative strength investing. What we want to be is in the best asset class and the best stock in the asset class. And what was interesting is last year this time, energy and basic materials and healthcare were dead last. Healthcare is still well, – healthcare is second to last. Communication services is number one. They have a huge position in Facebook in that particular ETF, and that's that's why it's down. Uh, but energy and basic materials are number one and number two. Healthcare is still second last. Technology is in seventh place. One month and 10 days ago, they were in first place. The mighty have fallen is what it's come down to. But it goes energy, basic materials, financials. I think it's more insurance companies and banks right now or regional banks are, are – there's a lot of them getting bought. Real estate, and it's, got, it's a particular group in the real estate area. Consumer non-cyclical, and then industrials. Uh, so I would say financials overweight, but they're weakening. Okay, especially. Uh, well, let's let's just say I just think you got to be more careful. Consumer discretionary, i.e., retail, has been weakening. All right, uh, Amazon's a big position in there. So if you own Amazon, you want to 
be a little bit, I think, you know, that whole group, you want to be a little bit careful. Now, the other thing is, uh, you know, I look at the EEM, which is the emerging markets, and it, it broke another double bottom on Friday. So I think that's not where you want to be. If, if you got, if you have to have international exposure, you know, Indonesia, there's a couple of decent looking chart, uh, ETFs in that area, uh, highly recommended. Now, if, one of the best-looking charts out there is the TNX, which is the U.S. Treasury 10-year yield index, okay? So when yields go up, bonds go down. So your bond portfolio is getting hit. But if if we break, I think it's three three and a quarter, uh, maybe three 330, uh, I think a lot of people's bond portfolios are going to get whacked. Uh, now, look, the good things about bonds, if you hold them to maturities, you're – you're going to make your money back, but you got to remember there's opportunity costs. All right. So that's why that, that ladder portfolio that we talk about, if you'd like to talk about your bond portfolio, ladder portfolio, I got some people that you should talk to. They're really good at what they do. Now commodities have been negative now for about five, six weeks. Uh, you know, the weekly momentum has been negative. So that's another thing to consider. Uh, maybe that's the turning around. And if I look at the copper gold ratio, is broken above interest rates, which is kind of interesting. I, I think. Uh, I mean, I mean, interest rates have broken above copper and gold. Uh, something to think about. Anyway, let's take a break, and we'll come back with insiders and, and uh, what Rob Schleiner's been saying. Uh, if you have a question, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll be right back. If you just tuned in to Smart Investor Show, I'm Tim Hayes. I hope you're having a great Saturday. It's uh, a little chilly out, but uh, I think I think it'll get warm probably about July 4th. All right. So now we talk about insiders. You know, and just so you know, what we're trying to do is take the market. You know, what our strategists are saying. Look at the fundamentals of the company. See if there's any insider buying. And then look at the technicals. We have a lot better chance of making money if we go through that procedure. Now, people say, Tim, you do the same thing every week. No, I don't. I mean, I talk about different things every week, but it's the same structure. Because what we're trying to do is, if you've got a triangle and it's upside down, what we're trying to do is get, we're funneling all our ideas down to the bottom of the triangle to find ideas, okay? That's what we're trying to do. So uh, insiders, uh, you know, can be, they're usually early, but they know the company better than we do. And we're looking for big insider buys, not small ones, okay? So just remember that. Now, there's a company called uh, Surma 4 Holdings, which is in the health information business. And two directors, uh, Eli Kasdan, who's a director, and Keith Meister. Uh, I, I looked these guys up. They, you know, they've been around the block a couple times. They... Um, they bought $45,750,000 each, which uh, last time I checked is not chump change. This is not for widows or orphans, by the way. It's a $3.5 stock. So, uh, you know, you got to be a little bit more careful with that one. <laughs> and then Fiserv, this is Value Act Holdings, which is a, a big-time uh, uh, 
you know, a group that goes after companies that they don't think are well-managed, where they think there could be more value. And uh, sure enough, they bought $10.6 million worth of it. So that's one to watch. The other one is Western Digital, by the way. And Elliott Management went out and bought a ton of that stock, uh, uh, 1.4 million shares to be exact. And what they're trying to do is uh, sell off parts because they say there's there's more to it. Uh, the company's worth, you know, uh, I think $80 be, when, if they were to sell them both off. So there's another one. We'll see what happens. And then Bryant Riley, who's the chairman of uh, Riley Financial, stock was at 70 back in first week of April. It's now at 51. He went out and bought $9 million. Now, uh, he's been buying a lot, okay, uh, a ton. So. Uh, I don't know exactly uh, what he's got up his sleeve, but we'll find out. Uh, Tempest Therapeutics, which was about a $9 stock about a year ago, is now at 3 At 236 the uh, director, Thomas uh, Wade, Wade, uh, uh don't get me on that name, but anyway, he bought $5 million worth. Uh, sorry about some of these names are, are tough to deal with. And here's one that's interesting. Larry Culp, the new chairman and CEO of General Electric, who is going to be breaking their, breaking apart in, you know, the company pretty soon, just bought $4.8 million worth of stock. Uh, and the stock has been getting beat up. You know, it was $100 stock about two months ago. It's now 74 And then uh, Great Elm Corp., which is medical distribution. This is another one that's kind of a, you know, this was a $5.5 stock back a year ago. Uh, it's now one and a half. And Jason uh, Reese, who's a, a director, bought $2.5 million worth. And then um, Keurig Dr. Pepper, which has been kind of going sideways for a while. We've had uh, Jason Whitmore, who's the chief strategy officer, uh, buy $2.4 million worth of stock. So that's you'd like to see in that. And then uh, also uh, Hellbiz, which is recreation vehicles. Uh, it, this is a $6 stock. is now $1.31, I think. Uh, you know, we had the chief executive officer buy $2.4 million. And then um, I forgot uh, our friend uh, Bryant Riley, who's the chairman and CEO of Riley, uh, he, he bought another $2.3 million the day after he bought the $9 million. So he's bought $11 million worth. He's been buying regularly. I'll just express that. Uh, also, uh, next point, strategic opportunity fund. We ha- the we had a guy, James Dondero, who I think is a 10%, you know, involved with a 10% owner, uh, buy uh, $2 million worth. Uh, so for you guys like to close in funds. And this is a name I made a lot of money on, and this is the Line Technology Medical Devices. Uh, it, it has to do with your teeth. I bought it around 13 I sold like at 300 And it went on to 400 made me look bad. Uh, now it's back at 298 uh, We had the president and CEO bought $1.9 million worth. And then uh, Nymox Pharmaceuticals, uh, I actually saw th- th- this director, um, uh, George Robinson. He was at a meeting I went to see. They have an interesting product. Uh, I haven't bought any or anything like that, but uh, it, it's, he bought $1.9 million worth. Uh, stock's been you know, between a buck and four bucks for a pretty long time. And then GM, you know, here's the executive vice president and CFO. You like to see the numbers guy. He bought $1.3 million worth. And then uh, David Becker, who's the chairman uh, and um, CEO of First International Bank Corp, bought a million dollars worth. He owns a lot of stock. He owns like 420,000 shares, so he bought another 30. That's always good. 
And then Fortis Scientific, uh, you know, which got kind of killed. It, it was a $70 stock back in, uh, I think it was February, uh, you know, is now a $58 stock. We had the director, Alan Spoon, buy a ton of it uh, just recently. So a, a couple other names that I just saw that have been showing up on my charts, uh, Todd Stein, but uh, he, he's a director of uh, Spock Holdings, it's telecommunications. He bought half a million dollars worth. Uh, Jim Abbott, who's a senior vice president at Dion Bancorp, which is down a lot. It was a $75 stock, it's now 50. Uh, he bought half, uh, almost $600,000 worth of stock. And then uh, we had another GE guy, uh, and he's a senior vice president, John Slattery. He bought uh, $270,000 worth. And we had one other GE guy uh, buy $180,000 worth, and he's a senior vice president. So a um, couple other names, Caterpillar. They had some people sell at 240. Now they're buying back at 214. Uh, you know, not a lot, but 100 thousand dollars worth. So that's, uh, but it's still not chump change. Uh, so you like to see stuff like that. Now, uh, look, uh, I'm looking over things, and I, I, I think, you know, growth remains in a relative performance downtrend versus value. All right, and if you get it, nothing out of this show today, that's what I want you to know. Value uh, is holding. Dividend yields are holding. Dividend growth for, uh, uh, stocks are doing quite well. And I've got, I've got the names. Now, some of the names are starting to give up a little bit, all right? And I think you got to pay attention to that. We're getting close to, I think, the bottom of a four-year cycle. Remember, it started in 2002, 2020 at the bottom. We had an unbelievable move up, much bigger than normal four-year moves. And now we're going to probably give up a little bit more. And then, uh, but you got to remember that, you know, pay attention. And the four-month moving average crossed over the 13-month moving average. That's another thing you got to pay attention to. So uh, when that occurs, usually you should be more defensive. The bullish percents in a column of O's, you should be more defensive. It is at 36, so it's closer to the, the bottom than the top. But look, from 36 down to five was a long way a couple years ago when it, when we got to five in 2020. So it can be, <laughs> as Greg put it, I don't know how much more my stomach can take. It can be tough. So this head and shoulders thing is a, is an important formation. I think you got to be very very careful. We thought maybe we'd go back and and uh, we had a head and shoulders reversal and uh, it didn't hasn't panned out the way we like it. All right. But the NASDAQ relative to the S&P 500 is definitely in a downtrend, okay? So the NASDAQ is not the place to be. I don't think the Russell is yet. Uh, value is better than growth. Dividends are very important right now. Now, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. The AAII bullish percent is down at where it was back in 1992. It's not as low as 1990. But it's, it's pretty close. Uh, the bearish sentiment is up there where it was uh, in 1992. It's not as high as it was in 2008. 2008 was a different story, okay? So I just think, remember, growth versus value made a double top back in, in uh, the end of uh, 2022, and, uh, 21, and now has made another double top. I mean, the double top occurred at the beginning of the year. So Think small cap growth versus small cap value. You want to be in value. Mid cap value seems to be the place to be. All right, so that's where I'd 
concentrate. The high beta ETF, by the way, broke down uh, versus low volatility, so people are really into low volatility for obvious reasons at this point. Watch the 10-year treasury. If it gets over three and a quarter, be careful. In the meantime, go to WHK1420's webpage uh, and go to the local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. Go to my webpage. There's all sorts of good stuff on there. You know, we have uh, under the Insight tab, we've changed the research constantly. So there's all there's a there's a bunch of the stuff that I talked about today on there. So if you want to go into more detail, it's there. All right. Also, Rob Schleimer's roadmap is there. It's trend and cycle. It's Rob Schleimer's trend and cycle. He may be one of the best technicians on the planet. Stop by there. It's under bulletin board. In the meantime, though, if you'd like to have a conversation about your portfolio, don't remember, don't forget, March 9th, we had uh, Dwayne uh, Toppin, who is knows more about retirement plans than anybody's ever thought about. If you've got a small, if you've got a small company, and you're looking for ways to put more away for high from the government, you should have a conversation with us. All right. And also, don't forget, I think it was March 12th, we had uh, Rich Matthews on for uh, wealth plans. You don't have to be a client to try the wealth plan now. Okay, so give us a call. Uh, you know, we do pick up the phone. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, it's not over till it's over. Uh, keep the faith and buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.